We play and call it work. Hey everybody, Matthew here from MiniWarGaming.com and welcome to another Sit and Talk, the show where you ask us questions and we answer them sometimes. And this week will be me, of course, and we rotate. So if you'd like to leave questions for Josh and or Cullen, they will be on next week's Sit and Talk. And just a reminder, whenever one of these comes out for free, there's also a show exclusively for our Vault members that comes out, The Open Vault, which is a behind-the-scenes look at various operations and conversations here at the Mini Wargaming headquarters. So go and check that out after you finish watching the Sit and Talk. And uh, I think that's it. I can just jump right into questions now. I've got quite a few to go through, and I've got a one-hour time limit. Let's see if I can get them all done within that hour, or, you know, whatever happens, happens. Let's jump right in. Entropy1. Matthew, first I just want to say hi. Hi, Entropy1. I recently became a member because of the second edition content. Well, thank you, Entropy, for your, for your support. Uh, vault members are what allow us to stay in business, so it's awesome. Thank you. Secondly, approximately 12 months ago, you made a rather candid video about the changes to billing that put the business in rather dire straits. 2020 has certainly been a crazy year. How are things going now? I'm also a small business owner. Enjoy your insight. P.S. More Warhammer Fantasy, please. 2020 has been a whirlwind of a year, both personally and um, business-wise. Overall, I say that Mini Wargaming business-wise has actually um, done well, partly because of the pandemic. You have to remember we're in the entertainment business, and a lot of those businesses actually have flourished in the pandemic because people are stuck at home, and so they turn to have more entertainment. Also, at the beginning of the pandemic, when we got, we were told that we weren't allowed to go to work, and so we weren't able to make our regular high-quality videos, and we had to just make videos from home, we were concerned that people might not like that, and so we had to explain that. And when we put out a video saying, we're going to have to work from home, guys, I'm sorry the videos won't be as good or as frequent, we got an outpouring of support, and a ton of people signed up to the vault. And so that was really, really helpful because it gave us the confidence that we'd be able to go forward. So I'd say overall, things have been going well. The things are looking up in 2020. Uh, still paying the big bills that uh, for the video hosting, but I've looked around. I've received all sorts of suggestions and everything I look into, it looks like uh, Vimeo is still our best option, even though they're now charging us a reasonable amount instead of like next to nothing like they were before. You have to remember, we went from like pretty much free because their prices weren't based on having a business like ours use so much bandwidth to a reasonable amount. And I've looked everywhere else and th this, this, it's, a good, it's a good price. And so, and every other suggestion, I've, I've actually pretty much every suggestion that people have emailed me or, or told me, I have actually looked into and this is still our best option. So, so yeah, we have those added expenses, but we also have more vault members now and more people supporting us and more people watching us and a lot more focus too. And so I, I feel like overall it's helped us to get better organized as a business. It's helped us get more support. Um, and I, when I say support, I also just mean, sorry for a second with the microphone. Uh, I also mean just, it gets helped us to get more viewers because there's just more viewers online because of you know being stuck at home. So, and more Warhammer Fantasy. We do have plans to do more Warhammer Fantasy. I can't tell you how soon, but it's in the pipeline. Mentality. Maddie, my man. Blood Bowl. Please, please, please. Mwahaha. Um, we've got a new edition of Blood Bowl out, but we currently don't have plans to cover it yet. Our, our current schedule is pretty swamped, uh, so I'm not sure when. Uh, I'm sure it's, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, because eventually we, we like to cover those types of games. So I'm sorry I don't have an answer for you right there. Nagram, 29. 
Matt, I've come across many order characters in various short stories, novels, and some battle tomes that make the sign of the hammer while praying to Sigmar for various reasons. What do you think the sign of the hammer looks like? It's a good question because, like, how do you, like, is, is that a hammer? Is that a hammer? <laughs> it's like, it's like, is, is that a hammer? Like, like, how would you make the sign of a hammer with your hands? Like, you know, you could make the sign of... Making the sign of the cross, obviously, you know, an X, that's easy. Uh, an M, the sign of the M, <laughs> I don't know. Even like S's, I don't know which way it's gonna be S. It'll be opposite to me. So the sign of the S, uh, but I have no idea what the sign of the hammer would actually look like. It'd be interesting to find out um, if there actually is something or if they just kind of use it in novels because, you know, they don't have to have something that's perfectly visual. Polaski, hello Matt, just joined this week as a vault member. Well, welcome and thank you for your support. And you guys are the first channel that I watch when getting back into 40K. I can't wait to see more content, especially Dark Angels, the true loyalists, along with Guard and Tau. Also, I enjoy your narrative work. My buddy and I love narrative games and I hope to draw some inspiration from you and your team. Cheers. Well, thank you very much for your support. It means the world to us to have another vault member like you helping us out. Um... Mentality, Matt, will you leave a comment for Colin and Josh, please? I know that seems to be the thing. I, I just, I'm just not creative that way. I'm sorry, I don't have anything. That would be a fun prank or something for them. Angels of, uh, Angel, oh, I, was, I was gonna read Angelos Fernando. Uh, it looks like it's Angelos Fernando. Hey Matt, I was wondering what happened to Dark Potential? Any plans to go back to it in the future? If you do a search for Dark Potential FAQ, I think you'll see I talk about that. Essentially, we just weren't ready to do something of that scale. We got it kind of ahead of ourselves. The Kickstarter, the Indiegogo campaign that we did, we originally were just going to do a handful of models. We weren't even going to make rules for them. But then there was so much support that I kind of got carried away. I thought we could all of a sudden do a full-blown miniatures game. I had no experience with it. Um, and we just realized it was out of, our, out of it was out of our league. We needed to focus on the things that were actually making us money, which was making videos and um, having our vault and stuff like that. So it was back in the day when we did a lot more experimentation with what mini wargaming was because we still didn't know. It took us years of running mini wargaming to figure out what was a thing that would keep us afloat. And now we've you know come to the point where we're focusing on the vault, and that's kind of the sole thing. And then there's some auxiliary things like uh, the bunker events, which you know obviously are on hold for the most part, and uh, like merchandise and, uh, and different things like that. So yeah, so it's uh, any plans to go back to it in the future? We have absolutely no plans to go back to it in the future. If I were to want to get into making another uh, miniature war game, I feel like the reason I really wanted to do Dark Potential at the time was because there weren't any really good post-apocalyptic um, war games out there, and now we actually have more than one choice. There's quite a few actually, because there's been an explosion over the past decade of uh, smaller miniature wargaming companies, which is fantastic. Um, so I don't, I don't know if we would go into that genre or something else. It just depends on what we saw of opportunities in the market, as well as our own interests. But there's a lot to becoming a miniature production company, like where you make games and miniatures. And I'd want to do both. I wouldn't want to just make the games and not the miniatures, because the real money's in the miniatures. And I wouldn't want to make miniatures without the game because you need the game to sell the miniatures as well. So, but that's a big endeavor. Even if we aren't trying to be as big as Games Workshop, it can, it's still a lot of work and a lot of investment. So maybe one day. Donnie777, hey Matt, just wondering if you've read Belisarius Call, great work. It's a good book on Genes to the Cult and Tyranids, really worth a read. Uh, well, if it's Genes to the Cult and Tyranids, then I will add that to my reading list. I'll check it out. But I have not. 
Kazkal, hey Maddie, do you think Mini Wargaming will do any more Warcry content with Catacombs being released? I really want to. Well, we did a couple Combat Patrol games and 40k on the Warcry mats, but um, I'd like to do some more Warcry content. So once again, that's kind of in the pipeline. We have plans to do a few different things, but we don't have specific dates that we're filming yet. We're just, it's kind of all in that, that first stage of concept where it's like, yeah, we want to do this, this, and this, and then eventually that gets down to the planning stage. Where it actually get, and then it gets scheduled and we do it. So I want to, but we're, we're, we're kind of limited with a combination of, of the number of content producers we have right now and not having access to, ga to guests and, and, and so we're just playing amongst ourselves and needing to keep up on the regular schedule because we can't give up on uh, regular Warhammer 40k and Age of Sigmar coverage right now. And so it's hard because we, we currently film and put out content five days a week, and all five days are actually getting good views and good vault signups. So if there was one day, like if the incursion on Friday, for example, was doing poorly for vault signups, then we could be like, okay, let's rotate some other stuff in there. I wanted to do that, actually. So when I, when I looked at the report and saw that incursion was actually doing quite well for us, part of me was a little disappointed. Like, of course I'm happy that the product is selling, but the other part of me was like, oh, I kind of wished it wasn't, so then I could have an excuse to play these other games. And so, of course, what we want to do has to factor in as well, because we need to keep up our morale and our desire to do these things. And so, eventually, that'll overcome. But, uh, you know, the, the vault signups are always so key to deciding what we are going to do, because we are a business and need to make sure we continue to grow and be able to continue to support ourselves and our employees. So that's, that's, that's the idea, right? In the end, I love miniature wargaming. I love role-playing games. I love nerd gaming, but I'm here to feed my family, and so I've got to make responsible choices in order to do so. I just get I just lucky enough to be able to feed my family by running a business like this, which is awesome. Relogos. Relogos. I don't know why that was so hard to say. Hey, Matt, how's life? Are you excited for the long-awaited sequel to 2020, the 2021, The Reckoning? I know many people can, can hardly wait for this year to end. And Cyberpunk 2077, and, but that's just another can of worms. How about you? Um, it's, you know, it all kind of blends together now. Uh, we, I, I've seen news that there's hopes for some good vaccines. There's some that are passing through the clinical trials right now, and so... We could see a vaccine kind of, I've seen various sources saying you know, in Canada, we could all be, anybody who wants to be vaccinated could be vaccinated by the end of 2021. That's still like over the next year. So 2021 could see the turnaround there, but I mean like other crap can happen. So, so um, you know, in politics or in uh, foreign relations or in, you know, there could be a mutation to the coronavirus and then all of a sudden the vaccine is totally useless and we go through all this again. And it's already, you know, it's, it's still here and it's still bad and it's, the, it's all everybody talks about and that's why I try not to talk about it too much because it's already overdone and, and it sucks, obviously. Sucks bad for, for the most part. Like, as much as it's helped our business, I still, if I could have given a choice of whether we had a pandemic or not, I'd still say no. I'd rather take the hit to my business than have all this misery and suffering. But, you know, misery and suffering also serves its purposes and helps us to grow and to learn, so... That's, that's humanity, that's mortality, that's what, you know, that's part of life, is, is going through difficult challenges so that we can grow. So, am I looking forward to 2021? Yes and no. I'm looking forward to winter being over. I know it's just getting started, but I already want it to be over. <laughs> I don't like winter, so. Um, 
As always, keep up the good work and all the best to you and the Mini Wargaming crew and associates. Well, thank you. Kazanski! Hey Matt, is it true that you get so worked up, up about Blood Bowl that it forces Mini Wargaming to abandon the game? <laughs> the last time we didn't finish Blood Bowl season was because it, the pandemic happened in the middle of it, alright? Nothing to do with the fact that I was getting worked up after every game. Blood Bowl is the game I love to hate. It's such a good game and it drives me bonkers. Because miniature wargaming by its very nature is random because you're rolling dice. But Blood Bowl is so close to perfection in a game of chess-like football that the dice being random drives me insane. Because it's a D6 system, once again, so it, it, it just swings like crazy. You think that your, your guys, when they're, they're two plus re-roll, will be able to do it, and you roll a one, then a one. Then you watch your opponent do something on a five plus, followed by a six plus, followed by a four plus. That shouldn't happen, and it's just my statistical brain, which some people make fun of, just goes nuts. And so I just, I try, and, I, and it was the last Blood Bowl season, I'm like, I'm going to choose an army that I just don't care about, I'm just going to have fun. Kind of like how Steve chose, like, the halflings, right? You just, you know, if you, if you win a game, it's like a pleasant surprise, and it turned out they, they actually did kind of okay. But then I looked around, and the army we had painted was uh, Lizardmen, and it turns out that they're actually kind of good, so then it got me into the mindset of trying to play them well, and then that just frustrated me when they wouldn't play the way I wanted them to, and that was just really annoying. So yeah, Blood Bowl is just, it messes with my head. Do you plan to take fantasy football anger management courses in order to provide us this beautiful content again? Blood Bowl and Mini Wargaming is hands down the best stuff from a personality dynamics point of view your guys have ever created. Love it. I, it does definitely bring out some interesting personality quirks and a lot of fun and yelling and screaming and all sorts of goodness too. Like I said before, there probably will be more Blood Bowl content, don't worry. Zach Man, hey Matt, long time, long time ago lurker here who is just now getting back into the hobby. I'm glad to see that yourself and Dave are still in the business and are doing well. How are Dan, Owen, and Jay? Um, I actually don't know. I know Owen is still making, I think Owen is still making videos, uh, like with Ash, and I, honestly, I, I haven't had a chance to look into that. Every once in a while, I'll look into kind of like the market and looking at all the different YouTube channels, uh, but I haven't in a while. Dan, at the same time, I, I know he's still out in Alberta. That's all I can say. I don't really know what's going on with him. Jay, I actually have no idea, so I, I, I apologize. So I have no updates for you. GBC343. Hi, Matt. I hope you are well. I am. This sniffing that you always hear me, that's just a constant thing that I have. My nose is, you know, it's, what do you call that? It's not, it's not deviated, but it's partially shut. So I, I'm always sniffing. And then I have allergies on top of that. So it's not the COVID. Um, I was wondering if you reviewed that MetaWatch Warhammer community released a few weeks back. My, you know, Steve and Luca and Josh keep an eye on that. I'm not really interested in, in watching closely the meta. That I think that's hilarious to do something like that. You know, it's fine for, for... I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I just think it's funny. As many, including Steve, mentioned certain armies didn't make the list, specifically Beasts of Chaos, Sylvaneth, and Nighthaunt. Any thoughts or surprises from the results? Like, I have seen it. Um, any thoughts or surprises? Not, it's, there was no surprises. Like the carriage, the thing is, the meta watch I think can be a little deceiving in telling you what is good and what isn't because it's not so much the armies that are good, it's usually a specific build within the armies. For example, carriage on overlords, while they are good, they're t they were top in that list because of one specific build, which is the Barak, whatever, the, the one, the one, um, the one sub faction that lets them you know, jump, uh, or fly high in the hero phase, and then they have the spell in a bottle that they throw at you, and they use the Skaven one, and they, 
and then they're all over the place and they do that kind of stuff. Um, and so like that list is doing well. It's not just carriage on overlords and you see like Seraphin up there, but it's a specific list. So the meta watch, you gotta be careful. It's, it doesn't always tell you like who's the best army. It's usually which has the best current strong list build. And so that's why it, the meta watch is, uh, uh, watching the meta like that is a little frustrating to me because it, it, kind, of, it kind of pushes that kind of play which is this min-maxing, try to find the perfect list in there. And Warhammer 40k and Age of Sigmar, they're not designed to be that. You know, Games Workshop can pretend that these games can be competitive, but really, in order, in order to play competitively, you gotta spend a lot of money and time on whatever happens to be the flavor of the month. They update the armies too often for you to really be serious about really following the meta, unless you have tons of money and time. And of course, that's why they probably do it because it, you know, it'll help sell more models, and I get it. But I at the same time, think I don't want this game to become too much like that because I think War Machine was a lot like that, is a lot like that, or I don't know right now. And that created not everybody. There was plenty of people who were fun to play with, but there was kind of a toxicity to it that I think really hurt them in the long run, and that it attracted the type of person who's not there necessarily to create a cool narrative, but um, to just try to find that perfect list and. And in order, but in, in War Machine, that was a little more, it wasn't quite as expensive to do that, but in 40K, it can be. Like, within a matter of a year, like just a year ago, just a little over a year ago, Genes to their cults could be top, you could be considered top of the meta with certain builds. And then between chapter approved 2019 coming out, which nerfed a bunch of stuff in them, and then the new Space Marine stuff coming out, they're now bottom tier. So if I was, a, a normal player and not a business owner with a hallway full of miniatures and terrain, and I had spent thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours building up a Genesider cult list, I would be super frustrated right now. I am super frustrated right now, and I'm not even one of those people. I'm frustrated that I can't build, because like, Genesider cults and Tyranids to me are just, the, if to me, are just the coolest armies, and I can create such thematic looking lists and neat looking things, but they don't really work, even if it's a Space Marine player brings average stuff. And so having this idea that, you know, we're gonna do the meta watch to see what people are currently doing. Like I watch StarCraft II battle reports. You wanna see like good meta, that, that's there, but they only have three armies. It's all digital, so if they make changes, it's not like people have to throw away all, or, or not use all these models that they, they currently painted. They just start producing that from the starport rather than the other thing. And so, so that's, and that's interesting meta changes because they're like, oh, nobody uses Battlecruisers, so let's buff Battlecruisers a little bit, and now people will use them, and that, make, that makes the meta interesting. But in miniature war games, that's a little more toxic to the community because, and it might be good for business, but I've said this before, what's good for business isn't always the best thing to do for the people, for your customers. Uh, just because it makes you more money doesn't necessarily make it mean it's the best for customers. And that's a fine line to kind of walk because you need to, make money for sure, but if you're doing it at the expense of your customers, then you could argue that there's some ethical dilemma right there. And then I say argue because you know, in the end, it's just miniatures that you can choose not to play. This is not an essential product like food or housing or things like that. But I just, I don't enjoy the idea of really pushing the idea of super competitive play. And I feel like 9th edition kind of swung too far that way with their scenarios. 
And, um, and we're going to be working on doing more scenarios from other editions and other games with 40k 9th edition because we're starting to find that this one scenario, because that's all it really is, is one scenario in 9th edition, is getting tiresome and that every game we play is super competitive rather than being able to bring fun, fluffy lists and just throw down and have some fun. And it swung because before all the missions like the Maelstrom of War and Eternal War couldn't be considered competitive because they were a little, especially the Maelstrom, were, were too random. And so the tournaments had to then change it. So I've, I've talked about this in the Open Vault today and I've talked about it in a post game in one of the battle reports you'll be seeing soon. So I don't wanna, I don't wanna talk about this too much. But basically, I'm not a fan of, of really focusing on that aspect of the game. I'd rather see them really focus on, and they do focus on the narrative aspect of the game, don't get me wrong, but just not in the scenarios, basically in the way that you play. Like they, they come out with more narrative, but then you, your only scenarios, unless you want to go for some super unbalanced narrative scenarios, are just the ones in the rule book or the grand tournament book, which are pretty much identical. I know that they're different and they do tweaks, but they're pretty much the same thing. Hold these objectives and choose the same secondaries. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so I just, I'm not a big fan of that. I'd, I'd rather not focus on the meta of, of the game and just have fun with it. But, but what the real problem I have is that these games are ridiculously unbalanced and that's okay. But then to go in and pretend that, you know, let's do meta watch to see what's really good. It's like, well, you're the ones that created what's really good. So it seems a little trite to be like, oh, look, Space Marines are top of the meta. No way, cool, these players have figured it out. It's like, no, you made them the top of the meta. You're the one that made their rules super overpowered. So of course they're the top of the meta. It's like McDonald's telling you which hamburger tastes the best and which one you should buy. It's like, well, you're the ones making the hamburgers. Like, it's, it's just a weird thing. Like, you almost need like a third party to do that. I have nothing against them doing it. Like, it's fine. I just, I guess I do have something against them doing it. I shouldn't say that. I just, I don't know. I know. They, they got to do what's good for their company. But I'm just, I, I guess there's a bit of fatigue to the rapid release schedule, which is good for our business, by the way. So I'm not even talking about business-wise. It's good to have rapid releases because that keeps people coming back and watching our videos. But even then, I'm still getting tired of it. It's just like, wow, this is so fast. Edition changes are happening so fast. Army updates are happening so fast. And yet, so slow. Like, um, if the Tyrion has got an update, I'd be excited and concerned at the same time. Because right now, they're not, yeah, they're okay. They're, yeah, they're kind of blah. I can't, I can't play with most of my army. There's some specific things I can bring and maybe have a chance. But if they were to do a codex update, I'd be worried because if they don't do a good job, then I have to wait years, years before there's a chance that my Tyrannos will be any good again. And I love that army and I've got, and, I, and I'm just, no matter what, it's always the army I want to play, even when it sucks. And so I just, I just wish that, you know, that kind of stuff wouldn't happen. Anyways, that was a long rant. So um, let's move on. <laughs> Rogue5, hey Matt, love the work you guys do. Keep it up, thank you. I'm a fledgling Age of Sigmar fan, yet to field my Skaven in battle. Yet, oh, sorry, yet to field my Skaven in battle. Watching the battle reports here has pretty much taught me how to play the game. I have a question regarding models and bases. Partic principally, giant rats. I have used the rats that come with the Plague Monk kits to create a unit, but have gone with two rats per base. Can I treat these as two models for wounds attacks purposes, or do they only count as one model because they share a base? If they're on the same size base as one rat, Definitely one model. The, a game of Age of Sigmar, the base, particular 40k as well, but not as much. Age of Sigmar, the base sizes, is a huge part of the game. In fact, it, it's, it should actually be on their stat sheet because it's that significant. The uh, being on a 25 millimeter base as opposed to a 32 millimeter base, for example, is a buff 
because on 25 millimeter bases with your one inch range of your weapons, which is your typical range, then the second rank can attack as well because if they're touching the guy who's touching the model, then they're within an inch. Whereas the moment you're on 32 mil bases, you need two inch reach to be able to get that second rank in. And so to treat two guys on the same base, you're going to be able to get even more attacks on your opponent than you really should. So I would say definitely, definitely, definitely don't count that. I would have never have modeled it that way to begin with. I know it might look cool, but it really doesn't work in the game because they're just their 25 mil bases should have one rat on them. But at the very least, you need to treat them as one model with one wound, like as if it was one rat. Um, uh, also, as I have not played at competitive battle yet, is there an easy way of making notes during play and keeping track of buffs, debuffs, etc.? Thanks again for your sterling work and excellent content. Lloyd in Southampton, UK. Uh, it shouldn't be too hard to keep track of buffs and debuffs. I use little tokens, like just little uh, gems or whatever things you want to put on it. Usually red for bad and blue for good. There's not usually so many that I would forget which one was which. Um, but that, that's all I do. Big Mikey. Matt. Steve said we should ask about how much you love Blood Bowl. Please tell. I already talked about that. Also, would it be possible to have Mini Wargaming Codex supplement reviews added to the Spotify playlist? Keep on being awesome. Um, I hadn't ever really thought of that. There's not a ton of people that go on our Spotify, but I'll, I'll take a look at that. Xenoscum. Hi, Matthew. I have a question. With Vento, oh, so Vito no longer being part of the Mini Wargaming team, are there any plans to continue or restart the Rise of Crossbows campaign? Not right now. I know we were kind of like left it on a cliffhanger. We were supposed to do one more episode. Where we ended was, you know, it could be considered an end of season kind of cliffhanger and maybe we'll continue it later. But unfortunately, there are no plans to finish that campaign. And I do apologize. Between the pandemic and then Vito no longer working here, kind of kiboshed that. And it's not Vito's fault. Like, we could have done it afterwards and I just I was I was having a hard time just going back to it and finishing it and then when he stopped working here that kind of sealed that fate. <laughs> I'm a huge fan and love all your content. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Zeno Scum. Volcano vo Volcanoctum Volcanoctum Vosenoctum. Hello Matt. I was just curious why the vault uses Vimeo for the vault videos rather than something like a hidden YouTube video. It is against YouTube's terms of service to hide a YouTube video behind a paywall. So if you did that, we are, our YouTube account would be shut down. Uh, and there's good reason for that because, um, you know, if you turn off monetization and then you hide it, then, you know, YouTube doesn't make any money and you're just using their bandwidth. So if you're charging for videos, you need to find a service that is willing to charge you for bandwidth and for storage. Uh, and that'll allow you to do that. So that's why we use Vimeo. Vimeo is just a bit worse for me than YouTube and it's noticeable. I'll tell you though, out of all the options out there, pretty much Vimeo is the best, not YouTube. So like YouTube's always gonna be the best because they've got the biggest audience, therefore they have the biggest budget, which means they have the largest number of engineers, which means they can constantly uh, make things better and improve things and find bugs. Vimeo is actually quite good. Unfortunately, it's not as good as YouTube and so people do notice that. And so for some people, especially if you have older computers, not just older computers, there's other little things that could be little uh, compatibility problems. It does cause some problems, but it's still our best bet within the budget that we can have. Like I know of better things that we could use, but we're talking about going from like the, the amount that we pay for Vimeo and we could easily five to 10 tuple the cost of our video hosting and storage to get those better things. And you might think, oh no, 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 this service that I use works really well, you should use this one. And the thing is, it, it, just because it works well for you doesn't mean it's going to work well for the thousands and thousands of people who would be watching the video. So you have to consider that. So when we look at the general 
vault, all the people in the vault, there are very, very few that have problems with Vimeo. But those few, usually, it can, it can some, for some of them, it can make it unwatchable and they have to cancel their vault membership. But it's a small percentage. And, um, and that's, that's really what it comes down to. I see some people have trouble with YouTube as well, but usually they won't come and complain to us because, well, they're used to what YouTube is. So, But it's more with Vimeo for sure. Also, did you ever notice how you and Dave sound so similar when roles go against you and your voices get all high-pitched? I have not noticed that. Catfish666. Matthew, just a curious question. With the majority of your content being dictated by vault signups and views, what was the thought process of having a second edition 40k campaign? Um, it's partially dictated by that, and it's also partially dictated by how excited we get for stuff. We always like to throw in the occasional experiment. Like, we want to do our tried and true things. Like, this is what's going to make us money. But we like to rotate in things that we're not so sure of. Sometimes they might surprise us. Like the second edition, it's not really a campaign. The second edition show did. So that was nice. So you might see more of that kind of stuff. I love all the Age of Sigmar content. And I hope you can make a narrative campaign for Sigmar in the near future. Uh, they're working on Age of Sigmar Path to Glory right now. I know it's not quite the same thing as a narrative campaign. But at least you'll get that kind of campaign. Also, will Theo be making a guest appearance in a night narrative campaign? Thanks. No, Theo will not. Spoilers, I guess. Mentality. Hey, Matt. So I live in the San Francisco Bay Area and I'm listening to the radio. They were talking about opening up a sport arena here. Their idea is to use rapid PCR tests. Uh, PCR tests. I'm assuming that has something to I'm not sure what PCR stands for. And I'm assuming it has something to do with the coronavirus, like a test. Which are 99.9% .9 accurate and results can be seen in 15 minutes. Cool. I host vehemently. One host vehemently said he would never go because it's too risky, and then immediately after said he is only going once there is a vaccine. As you are also a fun do-the-math guy, what are the odds that you could catch it? You can make up any number I miss, and the capacity at 50% is about 10,000, and the new positive results are nine a day for the area. Test versus vaccine, is there much difference? Test and vaccine, and using neither, but keeping all other safety precautions. Funny world we live in at the moment. Um, well, I am not a medical professional whatsoever, so anything I say right now obviously is just of my opinion based off of the incredibly, incredibly limited knowledge that I have. And, but the, but here's, here's the key thing. I know that I have incredibly limited knowledge. There are too many people out there who browse Facebook and then think they have a good opinion. So I tend to trust, and you know, I'm in Ontario, Canada, remember, I tend to trust what the government wants us to do because I know they are, even, if even though they are fallible and they don't know everything, that they are consulting with medical experts and following their advice. And I know that's not the case in all places in the world, but I can feel confident here. I, that doesn't mean that I believe that they are definitely right. I just know that they've done more work and research than I have. But in that case, what's better, vaccines versus extensive testing? Well, obviously, if the vaccine is effective and everybody gets the vaccine, then you eradicate the, the virus, assuming it doesn't mutate. But in the meantime, what do you do? Like, what if we are a year or two away from um, properly vaccinating everybody? Like, what do you do? And I am so glad that I am not the person that has to answer that question. So I'm going to abstain from answering because I really don't know what the proper answer is. More lockdowns, which will hurt the economy and cause more mental health issues, but will also save lives. Or less lockdowns and less measures. More people will die from coronavirus, but the economy will do theoretically better. And theoretically, there will be less mental health issues because people are able to go out and socialize and be in places. I don't know. I am happy 
to, to leave that to people who have access to the resources to learn about it and then do my best to follow their guidelines. And if you think that makes me a sheep, well, if you'd like to try to figure out every last aspect of your life, you're going to be a paranoid, stressed out, anxious, uh, anxiety-ridden person all of your life. You've got to be able to rely on some experts in areas. Like, it, 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 do your own research, of course, but remember that on the internet, research is biased, and you're, if you're on Facebook, then you're already in the wrong place because you're in your own little echo chamber. The moment you look at a few posts on the, the right-wing side, then all you'll get is posts about the right-wing side. The moment you look at a few videos on left-wing side, then all you'll get are videos on the left-wing side, and you'll just be in your own little echo chamber thinking this is the way the world operates, when it may or may not actually operate at all like that. So you gotta be very, very, very careful. And so, you know, I, th I think, I can, I can say with some confidence that in Ontario, our provincial government, Doug Ford, is doing his best to do what is right. That doesn't necessarily mean it is what's right, and I acknowledge that, and people can be for or against Doug Ford and for or against what he says, that's fine, but I do believe he's trying to do what is right. And so, so that's, that's what I would base it off of. So I don't know at all, and I know I just got into politics, and some people might not like what I just said. I'm sure some people would call me a sheeple, other people would, you know, I can think of lots of names. The moment politics comes up, it tends to bring out the worst in people. It tends, a good constructive debate seems to go out the window and people just get full of hatred, even if they're claiming to be against that. So that's, it's a hard, hard subject. And I am happy to have, not be the person in charge not because I just want to throw away the responsibility, but because I know just how hard it would be to make those choices. The end. Folks, hello Matthew, what is your favorite high fleet slash cult from a narrative perspective and from a gameplay perspective? Ooh, okay. That's a good question. I like those questions. From a narrative perspective for Tyranids, uh, Leviathan is pretty darn cool. I don't like the way they look. I don't like their color scheme, but I like just how how they kind of came up and they're all over the place. Whereas all the other high fleets are kind of together, they're all over the place. Uh, for a narrative cult, you know, I would have a hard time choosing my favorite because when you read the lore on each of the cults, it's just like, oh, that's cool. Um, like, I, I, if I had to choose one, I don't know. Oh, my, I'm getting a brain fart. What's the one that gives you the extra strength? Um, and it's all about like the, the like, changing their biology. Twisted Helix, Cult of the Twisted Helix, I think narratively is really, really cool. Just how messed up it is. Um, and then from a gameplay point of view, High Fleet, if you're not making your own, Kraken is powerful because it's nice and fast. Kronos is good for shooting. It really comes down to what I'm trying to do. If I'm doing, I'm trying to do a fast close combat army, then Kraken. If I'm doing a shooting army, it would be Kronos. If I have kind of a mix, then I might do a custom High Fleet. For the cult creeds, obviously Cult of the Four-Armed Emperor has a lot of perks, giving the bonuses to advance and charge, and also getting access to a stratagem that turns off your opponent's stratagems. That's a powerful one. Um, and, but personally, I think I enjoy more of either Popper Princes, which is re-rolling hits when you charge or are charged. I also enjoy like the Rusted Claw and the uh, Twisted Helix. I actually really like pretty much all the cults gameplay-wise. 
But if like you're really down try hard mode, you're usually doing call to the forearmed emperor. Frejan, hello Matt, will you increase the video resolution anytime soon? Um, you mean from 1080p? All our cameras don't do 4K. And I don't think we're at a point yet where 4K would really improve the experience of watching our videos. Like there's, there's I, I, it'll just be extra storage space. And I don't think it's, it, we're, our videos are the type, not the type of videos that you're gonna be watching on an IMAX screen or on an enormous TV. I know some people might watch it on a big TV because that's just where you watch your YouTube videos and stuff. But for the most part, that's not the experience you need. It's not like, it's kind of like 3D, like how all movies do 3D now. It's like, you know, 99% of those movies, 3D does nothing for the movie, except make it more expensive to go watch in the theater. Um, but you do get some movies, like Avatar, I remember it was just like one of those movies where it's just awesome to experience it in 3D because it had the epic vistas and the, and the, the way the planet was. So I kind of feel, I feel like it's like that. I don't think 4K is necessary. Eventually it'll become standard format, but also storage spaces will go down in price. So, because 4K, it's, it's, it's so much bigger, storage-wise. Um, and we already do a lot of storage with our videos, and that is expensive. So, quadrupling our storage prices, just for a, maybe not even considerably, what would be considered a, an increase in quality, because it would just be high resolution, like it's, you know, I, I, don't see the, I don't see the purpose of that. So, no, we won't be improving that anytime soon, at least in no plans. Make sure I stay on schedule. Oof, taking a lot longer to get through these questions. I might not get through them all. Cactusto, tustu, cactusto, cactusto, tustu. Hey Matt, when you first started mini wargaming from a business perspective, what was it like starting from essentially nothing and trying to go from there? Oh, it was a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of hard work. I had another business at the time that was in marketing, and so that funded mini wargaming. And Dave worked for free for a while, quite a long while actually. Um, it was hard. We wanted to throw. On, I wanted to throw on the towel several times. It took us six years before we became before we went into the black, and that's when we shut. Maybe it was seven years. That's when we shut down our store and focused on the vault. That finally got us into the black because we finally, for the first time ever, got out of debt. It was really hard, exciting, and stressful. Um, but that's that's what starting a business is like. If you're up for the risk then um, you gotta realize it's gonna take years. You might get lucky and it'll take less, but you also might be unlucky and it doesn't work at all. So take your pick. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's, but it's something I've always wanted to do. I, I wanna be my own boss. Um, some people have the entrepreneur gene. That's not a good or a bad thing. You need entrepreneurs and you need workers. You can't have one without the other. If everybody was a worker, then nothing would get invented. If everybody's an entrepreneur, nothing would get done once it was invented. Like, you need both sides of, the, of that spectrum, so. The Dramak. Hello, Matthew. The preview of the Battle Force boxes came out this week, and one of them is a Tyranid Force. As there are always good deals money-wise, would you recommend this box for new players and or to complete an army, and why? Thanks. I actually haven't looked at the composition of it, nor the price, so I can't make a recommendation, except to calculate the price of the models individually, and if it's cheaper and you want those models, then yay! Just remember though, that if there are a bunch of models in there that you wouldn't otherwise purchase, then you're not saving money. It's like when you go to the, any two for one, kind of like a buy, you know, buy one, get one free kind of thing. You're like, ooh, that's a good deal. But if you were never gonna buy two, then, and it's, it's, just, it's just getting you to buy two for 50% of each price. And you might think, well, that's still a good deal, but it still, is, it's not a deal. He's like, you weren't going to buy that second one, so that's money out of your pocket. Anyway, 
Well, you might think, well, no, it's not money because I would have bought one. But maybe you wouldn't have bought one at full price. You would have waited for it to go on sale even for 20% off. So if you want everything in the box, or another way you can look at it is you look at the box and say, these are the things I want, and add up their price. And if that price is greater than the box or equal to the box price, or pretty darn close, then you can be like, sure, I'll buy the box because then essentially I'm getting the rest of these models for free. So that's, that's how I would decide for myself if they were worth having. Slow Nando, hey Matt, with my one-year-old daughter, congratulations, we love watching your battle reports, but my wife is against it because I believe she's afraid that her little Diana will grow up nerdy as her dad. <laughs> Any recommendations to lift the semi-ban and finally be able to openly stream any Wargaming's content all over the house? Hugs. I don't know. That, see, my wife is a nerd, so it, we, it's great. We play Dungeons and Dragons every week. We play board we, we haven't had as much time to play lots of board games, but we used to play lots of board games and geek board games, not like Monopoly and stuff like that, but like geek board games. So I've never had to deal with a, a wife who is not a nerd because I only have ever had one and she is totally a nerd. Um, so good luck, and I'm sorry that she's not a nerd. Um, miso Miso, hey Matt, as a businessman, which other businessman do you admire and why? Good question. I can't say there is any in particular that I admire. Well, okay, well that's not true. My father, he is a contractor. He's been in business for over 30 years now. And I learned a lot from him about the value of hard work integrity and honesty and as a contractor remember so that's uh that's not normal <laughs> and um and just persevering through good and bad years because he had plenty of bad years um and just you know he's, he's just worked hard his whole life to provide for his family so i had to say I admire him for that specifically i admire him for many other reasons but you know, like that that definitely is one of the reasons i probably became an entrepreneur was because my dad was a good example for that. Um, I'm trying to think like of other ones. Oh, off the top of my head, I can't think of any particular that stand out. Like I know there might be the typical, like you look at the big CEOs like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and Elon Musk and all that, but I can't say I admire them. Admire it to me is a very strong word. Um, and there's, yeah, so, so I don't know. I, I, I think that's the, the one I can say for sure. Did you back either of the recent HeroQuest or Darkest Dungeon Kickstarters? Uh, no, I did not. In the last sit and talk, you talked a little about a grand campaign where you had 40k games, Battlefleet Gothic games, and kill teams all linked together. That sounds fantastic, or awesome. Please do one, but please, 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 would you prioritize character and story rather than mechanics? Um, maybe one day we'll be able to do that. It's a big endeavor. It's actually a lot harder to do. Also, I would not be interested in a Kickstarter for a narrative campaign book, but I would be interested if you wrote a short story or novel for Black Library. I am not an author. That, that would actually be really hard. P.S. I recommend Stygian Library to you, I think. Are you enjoying it? Oh, you recommend, I recommended Stygian. Yeah, we're currently playing it and my players love it. So it takes a lot of work because it's a loose list. It's, it's not specifically made for 5th edition D&D, so I had to come up with a lot of things. And I also then modified it for my own needs to fit into the story, but we're really enjoying it. Try Deep Carbon Observatory and Ultraviolet Grasslands next, both good for narrative campaign ideas as well. I will definitely check those out. Blackworth, hey Matt, I was wondering if you were planning on using the Sentinels of the Forge in another narrative campaign again. Uh, see, a lot of questions are, are you planning? And that implies that there's like this grand plan 
like weeks or months in advance and really like I'm on what we're doing now and maybe I'm thinking of the next narrative campaign. And that's about as far forward as I think. You know, we're not planning years in advance for our mini Wargaming Cinematic Universe because things change so rapidly with releases that we, we have to be able to be agile and able to, to kind of work with that. And also our own moods and dispositions as well. So there are no plans. That doesn't mean that we're not going to use them. It just means they're not any current plans. It'd be cool to see where their story goes with the narrative you guys have been building in your campaigns. MTG Chris. Hey Matt, I've been struggling with wanting to like Age of Sigmar as my head lore-wise lore is stuck in my 11-year-old me from Warhammer Fantasy Battle 4th Edition. Ooh, that's a while ago. I have had a massive break from the hobby over 20 years and started collecting 40k orcs last year, sold them, and moved to Slaves of Darkness, but shelved this army as well. The talk of 3rd Edition AOS next year from you and the team has got me thinking, and with the bat reps, I'm starting to become interested in Age of Sigmar more. From a hobby point of view, which army would you consider as the most fun to build? I just love the looniness goblin fanatics and squigs, so probably look at the green skins. Well, that's your answer then. I think the Gloomspite gets are such a cool, zany army. Iron Jaws are nice and fun too. I love all the destruction stuff. That's always been my favorite. I, I can say all of the main factions there, Iron are uh, the um, Iron Jaws, the Auric War Clans, Ogre Ma Tribes, Gloomspite gets, now the Sons of Behemoth, Behemoth, and I feel like I'm missing one. Ogres, orcs, goblins, giants. I feel like there's a fifth one. Why is my brain not going there? Maybe there isn't a fifth one. But I love all of those. Um, I just love the destruction armies. I think they're just so cool and fun. Uh, I find the death armies the most, the, my, my least favorite and least interesting, except for the Bone Reapers, um, because I played Tomb Kings before, so they're so reminiscent of that. And when it comes to chaos, I think a lot of the chaos factions are fantastic because they're so colorful and interesting, even if um, not, they're not always the best, but some, some of them are. And Slaves of Darkness is a good... I love Slaves of Darkness too, so all those are pretty interesting. But I think if, if, uh, if goblins and squigs strike your fancy, then Gloomspite Gits is a lot of fun. It's colorful, there's some fun playstyles. Just be aware that the spider stuff is all garbage compared to everything else. You're basically, if you're looking at it in tiers, your grots are the best, trolls are second best, and the spiders are the worst. So if you're trying to balance what'll be fun to build and something that you'll have fun playing, then that would be in the, in the goblins and squigs and trolls. Huh. Loving the night narrative and the combat patrol games you played with Josh. Well, thank you. Kurt to you. Hey, Matt, you guys should do another Blood Bowl season with the new 2020 rules. Steve said that you absolutely love Blood Bowl now. <laughs> also, please do a campaign with orcs where Steve plays the big mech and Dave plays the war boss in a big wah. They both capture the brutal and cunning nature of the orcs. With Dave playing orcs in the crusade campaign and being amazing and entertaining, I think it would be awesome format to try. Noted. Thanks for all the entertainment you guys provide. Appleize. Hi Matt, just want to say I appreciate what you and everyone does. I had a few months in the hospital this year unrelated to the pandemic and became a member to support what you all do and get some more Hammer content and plan to for a long time to come. Well, thank you very much and I hope that you are doing better. My wife and I do plan a trip out to the bunker in Canada for a fun trip once you know that, you know, that's the thing again. So question, have you had thoughts about user submitted bat reps that you would that you would User submitted bat reps that you would you use to fill content on sick days or to throw some variety in. I know I missed the guest battles and vault members traveling to mini wargaming bunker battles. Not how not sure how much desire exists for that. Oh, I'd say no because um, it, you know if you if you want to make your own battle reports and put it on your YouTube channel, that's great. It's not something we'd want to start putting in here. Obviously, people come to mini wargaming to watch 
us at Mini Wargaming, and that's not me being all egotistical. I mean, like, if you opened up a channel of somebody and you saw a battle report from somebody else, even if it's a good battle report, it's not what you went there to see. So I wouldn't say that we would want to fill in any days that we miss content with just some some random other person's um, videos, and that's not because they wouldn't be good, but because it's just not it's not us, and that's our that's our channel. Um, like uh, if, if McDonald's ran out of one of their burgers, they wouldn't be like, hey, let's just put a KFC thing on the menu just to fill it in so people have something to eat. So I'd say no for that, for that reason. Bold Dark Storm. Dear Matt, first I want to say thank you for the bottom of my heart. You guys saved my life. I was in a very bad space about a year ago and a good friend of mine recommended I watch some of your content. Over the last year, you and your other producers helped me work through the place I was stuck at, so thank you. Because of that, I have... I have become okay, or sorry, I have become, oh, autocorrect there, become a vault member to help support you guys in at least a small way. Again, thank you. Well, that is very heartwarming, and I don't know the specifics and don't necessarily need to know the specifics if you don't want to share that, obviously, but, um, but I'm glad that we were able to help. Uh, it's, it's interesting to see the people that say things like that. It, uh, it's, it's very touching, to, and it's very satisfying to know that because we, I don't know, we, we obviously entertainment's entertainment. Entertainment can help people get through hard times. It's an important, essential part of our lives. You can't remove entertainment from uh, you know. But uh, what we strive to do is we strive to make it wholesome, uplifting entertainment. Meaning that when you watch it, you can come away kind of just feeling happier, and that's because you know people are laughing. We might be screaming at the dice and shouting and getting nervous and stressed out and upset that you know, our armies died, but I hope in the end the feeling you get is that you know, we're just having fun. And even though life is stressful, and even we can kind of get to the tedium of filming lots and lots of games, in the end, overall, I have to say we're having fun. And if that can radiate some sort of happiness into your lives and help you through tough times, then I'm really happy to hear that it does. And thank you so much for supporting us, of course. Um, I would not say it's required if people are able to get through bad times. It's not like, okay, well now become a vault member. Uh, otherwise you're not showing your thankfulness, but I, I do really appreciate the support that you were showing in return. On to a question. What was the biggest challenge you faced when starting Mini Wargaming? I can't imagine it was an easy process. Uh, the biggest challenge is figuring out how we were gonna make money. The original intent of Mini Wargaming was to be an online Wargaming store. We opened up an online store and we were going to sell miniature wargaming products. And, you know, I'd had, I had, for years before that, I had been into internet marketing. And I mean, like, by internet marketing, I mean I was, I was uh, consulting other people on how to build businesses online or, or how to bring their business online if it's an offline business. And over that course of that, one of the, there's two things that were starting to gain in popularity. And one was e-commerce. Uh, yes, eBay existed and Amazon existed at the time, but not to the scale that they exist today. And the other one was video uh, marketing, because back then bandwidth was still, it was still limited for most people. Most people were still up on dial-up. And um, so you couldn't do lots of video stuff because, well, anybody on dial-up can't really watch videos. And even those on higher speed internet, like, still was pretty low bit rates. Um, but, and, and up until then, if you wanted to do videos, you had to pay services to host your videos and, and you had to pay for that. Uh, but whereas things like YouTube and Daily Motion and Blip and some, you know, as, as happens in any economic bubble, a ton of these companies kind of 
rose up to offer free services in exchange they would put advertising on the videos. And so I thought, I saw an opportunity there. I'm like, well, what if, because Dave wanted to start a business and he's, he's kind of, he's always wanted to be an actor and he loves being in front of the camera. I'm like, well, what if you made fun videos about miniature wargaming and we use that to funnel traffic to our online store and we sold products. So the struggle was figuring out how to make money. It took us months before we, we made any real money. Like I remember we were 10 months in and I think we had sold $20,000 worth of miniature wargaming products in that time. If that sounds like a lot, it's not. There's very, very small margins. And then we decided to try out some techniques. So we did a, a big sale and we sold $20,000 worth of products in a week. And that kind of was like, oh cool. So people really, they buy into this kind of marketing. And so we, we tried to improve our marketing for that. But we still struggled over the years because any money we did make we had to keep adding to our inventory and our inventory got bigger and bigger and bigger until it was over $100,000 of inventory, which, you know, today it doesn't sound like a lot, but back then, it, it, all our money was tied up. We were probably seventy dollars or $80,000 in debt. We had $100,000 of inventory and, any, and we were technically profitable and so we were paying corporate taxes, but the profit was all going into buying more inventory because unlike seasonal places like clothing stores where they rotate their inventory with miniature wargaming when new products come out rarely do they replace older products it's rare so for the most part it's just an ever-growing need to grow your inventory rather than rotate your inventory like more traditional retail can do to save money and to keep money from being tied up and so that was a, that was really hard we started the vault a uh, short time after that but it was like 20 bucks a month and you got to see our videos early and we, were, we tried, will advertising be the answer? So the, the biggest struggle was figuring out which thing was going to make us money. And it took years, probably because YouTube was still a fledgling business as well. And we really grew. Like if you look at our growth, it matches YouTube's growth. So not that we're as big as YouTube, but you know, if they grew by 50% one year, we grew by 50% as well. And so we have the YouTube to thank a lot for the growth of our business because as more people came online and started watching videos, they would find our videos and that would grow our business. But it was always a struggle and it took years. And finally, when Games Workshop made the decision to stop Canadian retailers from selling online, that's when we shut down the store. We, the vault was going but was not making enough money to cover all of our employees. And so we made a video about that and we got so much support that within six months we finally got into the black. Selling all our inventory as well really helped because it allowed us to pay off all of our debt. So all of a sudden we were out of debt and making enough money to actually turn a bit of a profit. And it's been, it hasn't been like perfect ever since. We've had good years and bad years. We've had times of growth and times of not growth with the mini wargaming vault. But that's always been the big thing. And now, now kind of the biggest struggle that we're having is to make sure that we, even though we've kind of settled into a routine, that we still make room for innovation because we can't just keep doing the same thing forever because eventually new things will be better, right? We, like for example, coming up with doing narrative campaigns, that was something that we tried out and turned out to be a big success. And so now we do narrative campaigns, but we're always looking for what's that next thing that we can do that'll really, the next format or next type of videos that people really want and they want to see while still maintaining the things that we do. So that was the biggest thing, figuring out how the business was gonna make money. And we tried so many different things um, before we kind of settled in on what worked. And it might've just been a matter of time too, because maybe we we're just a little ahead of our time to try to have videos be something that made us money. But that also gave us the, the edge of having been around a long time and built up subscribers and everything else too. 
Whew, what are we doing for time? Oh, I'm almost out of time. I'm definitely not going to get up through all the questions. I apologize. Still have several pages more to go. Ah, ba 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 ba. Xanost01. Hey Matt, I love all your battle reports, but my personal favorite was the last Blood Bowl season. Everyone played, which was cut short by COVID. It was so much fun, it actually got me to purchase a video game to play. Steve alluded in his last sit and talk that Mini Wargaming would probably not have another Blood Bowl season. Well, that's not true. But maybe because of me. <laughs> I've already talked about this, so I'll just leave that. Um, Demon Arrows. Hi Matt, is it too unreasonable a question to ask how much you guys spend on models and painting in an, an average month? Apologize if that's too intrusive, just really curious. It varies from month to month. Um, some months it's more than others. Um, it's, I could easily say our budget's in the thousands of dollars though. So I'll, I'll just leave it at that because honestly I don't have a perfect number for you anyways. Mr. Dinosaur, hey Matt, hope you are well and having a pleasant day. Due to COVID, I haven't been able to play any games since March. Ooh, rough. So thanks to you and Mini Wargaming for all your content. I play Tyranids and run Warriors as troops. I know that you like the swarm-based army, but have you played a game where you have tried this out? No, not really. And I can tell you right now at the meta, if you play the 9th edition scenarios, it won't work. You need to be able to swarm the table with Ripper Swarms and Termagants. And then the rest of your army can be something that might have some fun. But if you just do Tyranid Warriors, I can tell you right now, you're going to get frustrated. They'll die too easily to all the improved firepower of everybody else, and they don't have the hitting power of anything anymore. They just, they're just garbage. Um, they're, the only good thing is to bring min squads of them at, with no upgrades so they can provide synapse, and that's about all they're good for. It's sad, but it's true. Tyranid Warriors have never, have rarely been in a place where they're all, where really good, but right now they're just, they're not any good, unfortunately. Frijan, hi Matt, I understand why you reverted back from most of the new features in the new Batrep format you tried out, but there is one part I wish you wouldn't reintroduce in the current format, but in a much quicker and dirtier way. The discussion in between battle rounds. Two to three minutes would be enough. Just point the camera at the opponent and or board to discuss highlights from the battle round, points taken and other random little banter. That's the only thing I feel is missing from the current format. I can see why you like that. Who's knocking? Who's knocking? Somebody's knocking the door. Uh, you've got a visitor here. Tell him I will be another five minutes. Okay. He, he was supposed to come for 11, so I'm just filming to sit and talk. Okay. That makes sense. I have somebody waiting for me, but I'm going to make sure I give you guys the full time. All right. Um, yeah, I can see why you'd like that. And you know, I think we do discussion kind of throughout the battle reports. I'm not going to try to force him to the format to talk about it. And also because here's the hard thing, too. Having that discussion, see, when we would do that in that format, the other person wouldn't be in the room. And so you could share tactics and things that you're going to do without telling your opponent what tactics you are going to be doing. And so it doesn't quite work just, you know, the two of you to be like, well, here's what I'm planning to do. Hope it works. And because it can give away things in your strategy that you want to keep hidden from your opponent. Because um, you don't want it. Otherwise, you, you can give them too much of an edge. So. Yeah, I think what the way we're gonna do the way we do it right now is the way we'll continue to do it. 19 case 88. Hey Matt, just first seriously just wanted to say thanks for doing such a great job with battle reports and allowing us to all to enjoy the game during these strange times. Secondly, I'm wanting to do a kill team campaign in the style of Alien. What suggestions would you give to help? Um, suggestions for running a kill team campaign in the style of Alien? Well, obviously Tyranids versus Imperial Guard. You could do Space Marines, but they're a little too powerful. For, for that kind of conflict. And I know Imperial Guard can be plenty powerful because they're less points. Um, but yeah, it'd be Imperial Guard versus Tyranids. Um, the, you can use the scenarios from Kill Team as a basis. 
but try to imagine things from the movie and then like recreate those moments. That's the best way to do it. And just have fun telling the story. And just use the upgrade charts and stuff from Kill Team. Like don't go too crazy with trying to manipulate it all because it'll probably just backfire anyways and cost you a lot of your time. Unless you have a very specific vision in mind. Ah, let's do rapid fire for a couple more. El Douchebago, nice. Hey Matt, hope you're doing well. What are your thoughts on the new Tyranid Forge World rules? I'm very happy with them. Not perfectly happy with them. I have played the Hero Duels and a couple games and the Demacarons in one game and I'm like, okay, these are now playable. They're not super powerful. I wish there was a couple more tweaks to them. For example, I wish the Demacaron and the Scythe Hero Duel had a a multi-attack attack, because they, they're like, they, all they have right now is super powerful attacks. But they don't have, like if you think about an Imperial Knight, for example, they have like Reaper Chainsword, six damage attack, strength, a strength of 14, minus three, six damage. But they can also do their Titanic Legs to get 12 attacks at strength eight. So I wish there was something similar for the Demacaron and the Scythe Hero Duel. Because right now they just have like six super strong attacks, so it makes them useless against pretty much everything except stronger things. Um, and that, that, that can really deteriorate because the current meta has lots of little things and so they just can't handle lots of little things. Um, but by all means, they are now playable and I've brought the Barbed Hero Duel twice and I played the other ones. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll, you'll start seeing these more in the game. I haven't tried the Herodin and the Hierophant yet, but that's because it costs you three command points to bring them as a Lord of War and then they don't get your high fleet things and I think that's bogus. Um, so I'm not excited to try them out, and you'll probably see them, but I doubt they're going to become playable in a 2,000 point game. Um, Junius, hello Matt. Do you still plan to update the Mini Wargaming podcast playlist on Spotify with the more recent Sit and Talk episodes? The last update was in January 2020. I'd like to listen to them when I'm working. Yeah, that's two people now have mentioned Spotify. I thought that they were being updated. You know, we set that up a long time ago. Pandemic obviously threw that off. I'll talk to Colin. Smiling Akira, hi Matt. You say that Warhammer 40k videos get the most views in Mini Wargaming, but what about faction? Which faction or army is the most popular and get the most views? That's usually variable. It depends on two things. Two things. One, what's latest and greatest. So what it, what's doing the best in the meta and what has just gotten releases. And two, what we haven't shown in a while. So, for example, if we did a, an Eldar battle report, I could tell you right now I'd probably get above average views, even though there's no update to Eldar, because we haven't done one in a while, and so it'll catch people's attention. So doing things that haven't done, been done for a while usually gets above average views, and also doing the things that are currently top in the meta, or at least had recent um, releases. So there's not like, I can say for sure this army is the better one, it just depends on the current meta, which changes constantly. One more, one more, one more. Um, Nagram29, another content producer mentioned exhaustion starting to set in with the new 9th edition 40k missions and the impression they're essentially all the same mission. What are your current thoughts on 9th edition missions? I already covered that, but essentially I agree. They're great competitive tournament missions, but they get tiring if that's all you're playing because most of the time you don't want to play competitive tournament missions, at least not us. We want to play more fun, randomized missions that allow you to bring more thematic lists and not be penalized for doing so. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's Sit and Talk. Remember, next week is Josh and Colin. So if you want to leave questions for them, just leave them in the comments below. And as always, happy wargaming.